Amen. Thank you, Pastor Robert. Fire. Um, I don't get blessed tonight. I, I just knew you were going to bless me with the song blessed. The praise team left and after. Okay, after. I'm going to hold you to that. Good evening, family. What a privilege it is to share the word with you tonight. Our pastors are traveling, so just want to lift a prayer up for them real quick. We thank God for them and their ministry here and around the world. So, Lord, we thank you for our pastors tonight. We thank you for protecting and keeping them. Lord, as they minister, you are filling their mouth with revelation and wisdom. Lord, we declare everything they touch prosperous for the kingdom. We ask for your protection, your preservation in their hearts, Lord. And, Father, that you would be glorified in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good to be with you tonight. As you know, Pastor Jim has been working on an awesome series about being healthy from the inside out. And he talked about last week being committed, submitted, and then fitting. And I don't know about you, but that last part of that fitting is what really hit me because he said in order to fit, God has to break out the tool and start chiseling. How many of you have felt the chiseling of the Lord in your life? If you haven't, get ready, get ready, get ready. (laughs) We are diamonds in the rough, and it is rough at times. But I'm so glad in God's chiseling, it's always love. We're handled with care, and I'm so grateful that we have a Father that loves us. So I'm going to continue on that vein about community, being connected into community. And I'm coming from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. So as you're turning in your Bibles to Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, we want to remember why it's so important to stay connected. Um, We are a community, and we didn't have to... um, do anything in our own strength to attain that. We gained it once we came into the kingdom. Once we received Christ as Savior, we were ushered in. We were adopted into a family. So it's not just about your salvation and you're going to wait till God comes back and you'll live in the suite by and by. That's part of it. But there are blessings and things that God wants you to inherit on earth. And one of those things that you inherited was becoming part of a community, a family, you're also part of an army. So not only are we family, we, we, we love together and we fight together. Well, the enemy would have us go against one another in community. That's what he's hoping. But when we understand the heart of God, then we get determined to play out and to walk out what God's heart and purpose are for us and this earth. So in Colossians 3, uh, excuse me, 12 through 17, it reads... Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we thank you for your precious word. It gives us life direction in your heart. Father, touch our minds, touch our ears tonight. 
that we will comprehend and understand your word and walk it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was, as I was thinking and, and meditating on what it meant to be connected into a community, my mind quickly went to my annual family reunion. Now, I don't know how many of you have annual family reunions, but mine is very interesting. I come back with crazy stories that my friends can't wait till I get back because they want to hear what happened at this family reunion. My dad is one of 10, and our family spans all the way from Spottenburg, South Carolina, all the way up to Boston. So my, my family, we have a couple of admin people that are just really gifted. So what they decided to do is say that each state that we live in represents a charter. And every year, that family reunion switches to another charter, and we host the reunion. Now, whether we're hosting in D.C. or Boston or South Carolina, we know the same time every year is our family reunion. And who, whatever state is hosting it, they will begin to send out information on T-shirts and how much the hotel costs and all of that good stuff. And we are traveling miles and miles to spend a weekend with people we have no clue who they are. And then we all get to that location, and you think with spending all that money and that time and that effort that we would at least get to know somebody. No, we get there, and everybody clusters in their own little group, in their own little comfort zone. And my, my family reunion is the same every year. Friday night, it's the fish fry and the welcome. <laughs> then Saturday morning, it's the family meeting. And then after Saturday morning um, meeting, we all break and get ready for the picnic. And after the picnic, you get back and you have the Bible study. Now, the Bible study is right before the disco. <laughs> Every year, y'all, pray for me. Now, I don't need to tell you the attendance at the Bible study wanes compared to the attendance at the disco. But that's another sermon. Then we, we party all night long at this disco. Then we wake up in the morning and whoever's hosting the um, reunion, we go to their church. So the person that's leading it knocks on everybody's door and lets them know what time the bus is leaving because we take a charter bus to the church. And everybody goes around and they collect the offering because, you know, especially in southern churches when you're in a family reunion, the pastor takes a moment to acknowledge you and the person who's representing your family stands up and says, on behalf of the Stevens and Norris group, we would like to present this offering to your church. And then we all go to church together. We sing. We do all that. Then we come back to the hotel, get changed because we have a banquet. We eat and spend all this money for a banquet. Still don't know anybody that we knew before we left. And we get back on the bus and go miles and miles and miles back to our home. Why in the world do we do this every year? Because we're connected as family. Now, as we mature, some of us have gotten the notion, why don't you just get to know some of your relatives since you've traveled all this way? So now we're beginning to step out of our comfort zones, and I love the social media because you can use it for righteousness' sake. Can I hear amen? amen. So a lot of the cousins now, where they, we didn't have social media before, now they have it, so they keep in touch all year long so that when they get back to the reunion, they're not strangers. You know, we get to this place in Christendom where we get saved and we forget that God has connected us as family. So sometimes you wonder why you get up every Sunday and you get dressed and you, you argue with your cat and the dog and the person that you live with and your children. You get here, you smile, hallelujah, everything is fine. You sit in your seat, you hear a message, you go home, you go to work and you come back on Wednesday evening and what do we do? We get dressed and we come on out to church. The question is, do you know anybody better than when you did when you left your home? Are, do, are we doing this just because we are connected? 
but not a community. So tonight, I want to springboard off of what Pastor Jim was talking about, about being fitted. Because I believe it's more than just connection. It's being fitted into that community. It's understanding the heart of God so that when we do come together, we fulfill the purposes of God. And we haven't done all of this happenstance just because we have each other's last name, only to go and never really relate, never really get into community. Now, we have the same cousins every year. I don't care what state it is. You could always know the ones that did the work. That's about 10 of them out of 300. I, I, become, I come from a big family. So about 10 of them do all the work. But when it's time for the accolades, everybody in, the, in that state steps up like I did something. Now, we know that doesn't happen in the church, but I'm just saying that's what happens in my family. Then you have the cousins. Can I talk about the cousins for a moment? You have some cousins that are really like, I love um, my family. It's just a long line of ministers and pastors. So it's great to see the next generation begin to pick up the mantle. So we kind of all gather in our corner and we're, we're talking about what the Lord is doing. And then I always have that one cousin. I call him kinfolk. The moment you see him come and you're like, who invited him to the family reunion? <laughs> now, don't look at me sanctified because every last one of you know you have one of those cousins. And he's always coming, kinfolk, let me hold some. Now, the running joke is he always used to ask for us for $100. The last time I saw him, he asked for 1000 I looked at him, I said, what happened to the 100 <laughs> He said, because things got real bad. Things got real bad. So every year we can make sure that if you don't have any money in your pocket, he's going to be looking at your sneakers, something he needs to take with him. And we laugh, but we love him. We know he's coming. And when we see him, we just, everybody, guard your pockets. You know he's coming. And we keep praying for him. Because if you're watching, love you. <laughs> love you dearly. <laughs> but we are in a family. God has fitted us in a family. And we know spiritually we all are sanctified. We love the Lord and we're living the way we're supposed to live. We don't have the kinfolk that are, have their hands out. We've come to supply what God has put in us to supply. So let's talk about this because Paul was talking to the Colossian church and he was telling them, look, all of you Jews, Gentiles, we've all come and we're a family. I know you thought different, but this is the way to think according to the kingdom. So in order to be committed into the community and connected into the community, we must first be discerning people. We must learn how to deposit, and we also must learn how to be determined to finish the course that God has mapped out for us. So let's talk about this discernment. In verse 12, it talks about where to clothe ourselves. How many know that's a verb, to clothe yourself? So that's a decision. So you have to ask yourself, when I come into church, how do I come clothed? Do I just put on anything, whatever's available? One of my sons who will remain nameless, I catch him before he leaves the door. Because I know whatever he had put on is not ironed. One. Looks like he rolled and slept in it. And I always tell him, look, you represent the kingdom. You have to go clothed differently. There needs to be something different than when you're going to the sanctuary and not just going to school or going to your job. Although you do need to look good because you represent the kingdom. But that's another sermon. But it says, clothe yourself. And not only does it say clothe yourself, God tells you, or Paul is telling them what to clothe themselves with. Compassion, 
kindness, humility, and gentleness. So he said, you're coming together. Now, this is how you need to be dressed when you come together. You need to have compassion for one another. I love the picture of Jesus. Jesus would be tired, delivering, preaching all day long. And then here come 500 more people. And he didn't say, you know what? You're going to have to come back tomorrow. Revival's over tonight. Hungry and tired, he would minister, he would deliver, and he would set free. He would have compassion for people that are hurting. So we're supposed to put on that compassion. And then kindness. We're to be kind one to another. I wish I could say as a pastor I've seen nothing but kindness, but that's not true. Because we're kind until we don't get our way. And then all of a sudden the real deal comes out. Now it's not for condemnation state because how many of you know God doesn't condemn? He says we are convicted, but there's no condemnation in those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you love God and you're called according to his purpose, there's no condemnation. But there is conviction. Condemnation will point to who you are. The enemy will tell you who you're not, I should say. But conviction points to what you're doing. That's how you know the difference. You're already defined by God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. So that's not up from, for grabs. God is the only one that can identify us. But he will speak to what we do. The fruit that is supposed to come out of our life. He will speak to that. And so when we don't find ourselves being kind, we're not clothed properly to be around one another. I love that Pastor Brett had an example. He took a bottle of water and took the cap off and began to shake it. And he asked us a question. Why did this come out? And we all said, because it was in there. And he said, exactly. What happens to you when you're shaken in life? Because whatever's in you is going to come out. And we can't blame mother, brother, sister, friend. You did this or you did that. No, it was already in there. The Lord just put you in a circumstance so that what was shaking was revealed so that you what can be convicted to change. Cussing can't come out of you unless it's in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got so mad the other day, and I thank God the cussing demon was gone because it was one of those moments if it was still there. It wasn't my husband. My husband said it wasn't me. But I was so glad in those moments. I said, Lord, that's you. I know that's you because I remember what I would have done. But I thank God that the old man is dead and the new man is living. Because this moment is about pleasing you right now, not pleasing my flesh. So I did what God wanted me to do. Now, none of the people that were involved in the situation knew any of that conversation was going on with me and the Lord. But I was having a moment to remember his goodness, Lord, that you delivered me from that. Lust can't come out of you unless it's in there. So don't blame anybody. I can't tell you how many times we sit with people. Why well, did this? Because she did that or he did that. The devil is a lie. You are responsible to do what God has called you to do. I don't care what anybody else is doing. So it can't come out unless it's in there. So we have to clothe ourselves with kindness. So if we find ourselves being harsh, guess what? It was in there. And God puts you in a circumstance, not to condemn you, but so you could see it's in there. And then we get to do a divine exchange with our Father. Lord, that's not you. 
I repent. Take that, Lord, and give me your nature because I'm to be kind one to another. So we need to be, humil be humble around each other. Every time I have an opportunity to humble myself, I know God is going to exalt me later on. We're not to exalt ourselves. Do we have desires? Absolutely. Do we have goals? Absolutely. But we don't have to make them happen. It is God. There's many detours that have happened in my life that I, I had to sit down in the corner and say, okay, so, Lord, can we have a sidebar a moment? Now, you said we were going this way, but it looks like we're going this way. <laughs> can you help me, Lord? And he would say, just humble yourself. I got you. Sometimes we don't know the journey in which God is going to take us. So we need to be, humble ourselves with God and with one another. It's not about being right. It's about being on the side of right. So we can't make excuses for who we are or our titles or what we think. No, right is right and wrong is wrong. I don't care whose bones it's on. We have to be a people who are pressed in for righteousness. So we need to humble ourselves and then be gentle with one another. God teaches us how to operate and be connected in community so much so that we get to practice gentleness. Now, I was asking a, a former player before um, this morning when I was working on my sermon about the, the practice field and the playing field. Now, he was telling me the amount of time that they spend on the practice field versus the playing field. Now, every day they practice. He said about two and a half hours they're on the field, and then about three to four more hours they're in the locker room, or excuse me, in the, in the room watching videos. Th this is a long day, and it's every day compared to when they really step on the field to play. When you step in here, this is the practice field because we love one another. We get to practice compassion. We get to practice gentleness and kindness so that when we go out there on the playing field, which is the world, they'll see something different. Didn't the word say they'll know you by the love you have one for another? So we need to be discerning about what's coming out of us. And again, not to be condemned, but to be convicted so we can do better. When you know better, you should what? Do better. So praise God that the gift of discernment can be on us. It says to bear and endure with each other, verse 13. So when you're connected into community, you learn how to bear. You know what that word means in the Greek? Endure. You know, endurance. Ask a marathon runner about endurance. <laughs> It's not just about starting the race. You have to finish it. So there's a pace that they learn how to operate in so that they can endure the entire race. So not just that they start, but they finish the race. When we have to bear each other up, that means we endure with each other because we're all not in the same spiritual place. We all start off as infants, and then we grow into the Lord. Now, the more you eat, the more you listen, the more you grow. So I can tell how much people love God by not how much word they know, not how much they pray, not how gifted they are. I watch how they treat people. That tells me how much they know the Lord. Because the power is not so much in what you declare, it's what you demonstrate. I remember my grandmother, she would say these sayings, and I would look at her kind of like, okay, grandma needs help. <laughs> but now that I'm over, older, those sayings come back, and I know what it means. She used to tell me, girl, don't you listen to what people say. Listen to what they do. And I used to think, now, how do you listen to what somebody does, Grandma? That don't make sense. But now I understand what she means. That was a spiritual principle. 
The word says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of that word. See, it's easy to hear and repeat. A parakeet could do that. But do you have the power to declare and demonstrate? That's where the power is. When we can really do and bear up and endure with one another, knowing that we all have junk in our trunk, as I like to say. It's, cool, it's all Kool-Aid, just different flavors. So we can't look at each other and point the finger like you have a problem. How about we all have a problem? That's why we need Jesus. So we get to endure in mercy and grace with one another. Galatians talks about if a brother is taken in a, a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I love that verse because it reminds me who needs to deal with a brother in a fault. It says ye which are spiritual. So we're not supposed to come to each other in the flesh telling each other what we did wrong. Ye which are spiritual, restore. So when you're spiritual, you're coming to your brother and sister not to vindicate and not to get back and not to tell them about themselves, but you're coming to restore the relationship. You're coming to reconcile what's been destroyed or, or hindered or hurt. So when you're spiritual, you have the heart of God and you can bear up with one another. Then also, as we discern, we have to discern if we can be selfless instead of selfish. Selfishness is the old man. It's the old nature. We all can go there, right? Sometimes I just want to go home, get my M&Ms, sit in the chair, don't bother me, don't talk to me. What's for dinner? I don't care. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> my flesh just wants to sit there and veg, but I have responsibilities. So I love the picture in 2 Samuel 11 of King David and Uriah. Uriah is one of the, the men that I want to meet. You don't hear his name much. But this man right here, Uriah, was a man of integrity. Most of you know the story. It was in the spring when kings go out to war, and David decided he wasn't going. So he sent Joab out, and he was sleeping, woke up in the evening, and saw Bathsheba on another roof bathing. So he calls, and he says, who is this woman? And I love the messenger because he was trying to help David. He said, that's the daughter of and the wife of. <laughs> so before you get this twisted, king, I know you're king, but she's somebody's daughter and she's somebody's wife. But King David calls for her anyway, and you all know the story. He sleeps with Bathsheba. She ends up pregnant. He said, oh, I got this. I'll just send Uriah off the field. He can sleep with his wife. Voila, it's all done. Only he didn't bank on Uriah being the man of integrity that he was. So Uriah comes back, and of course, he doesn't sleep with his wife. What does he do? He sleeps on a porch, not even his. David gets wind of this and calls Uriah and says, um, you're home. Why don't you go see your wife? You know, have fun. You're home. And Uriah says to him, how can I go down and have relations with my wife when my men are out there on the field fighting? Israel is fighting. So what does David do? Instead of saying, you know, this man got something on him, I need to listen. He gets Uriah drunk. And he's thinking if I get him drunk, he'll go down there and spend the night with his wife. And th there it is. That's the cover up. See, when you're walking in your flesh, you cover up instead of cleaning it up. He was walking in his flesh and he was covering up what he did. He wasn't trying to clean anything up. But Uriah, in his drunken state, still didn't sleep with his wife. 
What do you do in your drunken state? Do you blame it on the alcohol? Somebody need to talk to Usher. Y'all like, what? You know that song, blame it on the alcohol. Just blame it on something. It ain't me, Lord. It was the alcohol that did it. <laughs> but let me help you. Uriah was drunk and by all rights could sleep with his wife, and he did not. So don't tell me it was the alcohol, because I'm going to take you right to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Don't you blame it on the alcohol. It was your flesh. Just go ahead and say it. It was my flesh. I wanted to do it, and I did it. But Uriah doesn't sleep with his wife. Uh-oh. Now what is David going to do? So what he does is he sends a note. You talk about gangster. Sends a note with Uriah. Uriah has no idea he's carrying his death sentence. He gives it to the commander. The commander reads it, and the note says, put Uriah in the hot zone and pull back from him. Now we think, tiss, tiss, tiss. But how many of you get in corporate? I was in corporate for many years, and I'm so glad God delivered me out of that mess. Because I see how the world operates. We lovingly starve people in corporate. When I don't want you anymore, I'm going to move you to a place where it's heated and you're not going to do so well. And then what we're going to do, we're going to pull back. We're not going to help you. So if you're a boss out there, I encourage you, don't be gangster. You do what God has called you to do because he's called bosses to take care of his employees. Hallelujah. But King David, the man after God's own heart, I mean, everybody can have a flesh moment. So he goes ahead and sends the note to Uriah, and they do exactly what the note said, pull back from Uriah. And, of course, Uriah was dead. Now David thinks, wow, it's covered up. Whew. Thank God that one's over. Except God knew. I don't care who you can cover it up. You can't cover anything up for God. That's immaturity when we think we can hide something from God. My three-year-old grandson is here with us, and he cracks me up when he plays hide-and-go-seek because he can stand in the middle of the floor and close his eyes, and he thinks because he can't see you, you can't see him. <laughs> and we laugh, and we're like, where's Miles? And he's giggling, but we know exactly where he is. He's standing right there. <laughs> but we decide just to go ahead and play the game with him. I think that's how sometimes we looked at God. Where can you go and hide from God? You turn the lights off and you're at the computer. You don't think God sees that? The young man, the young woman is walking this way and your head turns. You don't think God sees that? We're supposed to have rule of our own soul and please God at all times. So he covers it up. He's done. He marries Bathsheba. And then here comes Nathan. And he tells David a story about a sheep. And how the rich man had all this, and, and then there was a, a poor man that had a sheep, and the rich man took the sheep and just, you know, killed the sheep. And David was outraged. He said, who is this man? He deserves death, and I'll deal with him myself. And, and Nathan said to him, you're the man. We need to be discerning when we're the man. Because our sin always looks different from somebody else's. So the same grace we want for us when we mess up is the same grace if not more, we need to extend to others when we understand what it means to be connected into community because we're to bear one another up and help one another, not condemn each other. You, you messed up. Oh, well, tell me when you have not messed up. So I thank God that we get to mess up together and we know what that feels like 
so that when we can be discerning and we can restore the brother in righteousness, as the scripture said, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. As the elder says, that means don't you think you such a much because it can happen to you. That's right, Pastor Robert, that's such a much. <laughs> so we need to discern when we're being selfless versus selfish. What we do in selfishness just deals with us feeding our flesh. But God calls us to take care of one another. And we put others before ourselves. We prefer others above ourselves. So when I'm at the family reunion, I get to practice that. Because there's many times I want to go the other way. But I prefer that person over myself and I help them or I do whatever I need to do. I get engaged relationally with them. So when my cousin comes to me and he has his hand out, I'm not running from him. I'm trying to figure out why are you always broke? Let's work on this. Let's, the Lord has mighty things for you. So we need to be discerning if we're going to be connected in a community. Importantly, it says we're to love one another. This love is not an earthly, worldly kind of love. It's an unconditional love that never gives up. People are so used to people giving up on them that they're afraid to even try anymore. And I'm so glad God doesn't give up on us. So we have the perfect example of what it looks like to endure. Just look at Christ and what he does for us. So we're to love each other. And when we do that, it says that love is the bond of perfect unity. So we need to learn how to love each other for real. To feel when people feel pain. To cry when we cry. To laugh when we laugh. We're connected in community. Which means there's a feeling that we have for one another. That just because it doesn't affect me, I can go home and think I'm cool. If it affects you, it affects me. Because we're many members of one body. So we need to pray. We need to figure out what God wants us to do in that moment to help out. Two, if we're going to stay connected in community, we need to learn how to deposit. In verse 14, it talks about, or excuse me, 15, what the Lord has deposited is peace. He says, I give my peace to you. He says, there are many members in one body, and it's him that places the body, the members in the body. Ephesians 4, 6 tells us that. So we don't even get to decide where we go to church. Most people think that's their decision, but it's not. The scripture says in Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplying according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So we're many members of one body, every joint supplying. Just think if we all came in with a supply mentality instead of a demand. The world thinks the church is a, is a reservoir. I'll just tap in when I need you. My light bill needs to be paid. I need your prayer. Oh, I need you to bury so-and-so. But when you look around, they're not serving. They don't even know the vision of the church. They don't have the heart of the church. They just come for what they can get. But the, 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 the church is a river that you step into. You step into life group. You step into relationship. You step into the messages. And there's a current that will take you further than you can ever go yourself. So we have to stop treating church like the world treats the church. It says every joint supplies. So if I have the gift of encouragement, I come ready to encourage somebody in this church. Somebody needs to be encouraged, Lord, I'm going to deploy my gift. And when I give, the scripture says it comes back to me. And not only does it come back to me, it comes down, pressed down, shaking together and what? 
running over. That's where abundance comes from. Not because I have my hand out, give me. It's because I have my hand out, here, take. And when I do that, I step into a spiritual principle that comes back to me and I have abundance to keep blessing people. That's how God wants us to deposit. And when we deposit the message of Christ, it's powerful. God, I believe, has taken the church back to the basics. Now, yes, what is the basics? The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's where the power of this gospel lives. And when we can understand that and receive that for ourselves, it's not just something that comes out of our mouth in our head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge. You get excited about coming to church. You get excited about hearing about your father. You get excited about you have the opportunity to go share life with somebody out there that needs to know him. All of us know what it feels like to be rejected, abandoned, destitute with no destiny. That's what the world is experiencing. We experienced it until Christ stepped in. So we get to introduce people to the message of Christ. And that's what he's talking about in verse 16 to them. Go share the message of Christ. And when you do that, you see the fulfillment of that community and that connection because he is who we're connected to. And then we're going to have to be determined. Verse 17, whatever you do in word and deed, you need to do it in the name of Jesus and give thanks to God the Father. So whatever we do in word or deed, it's supposed to be in his name. So each word you have or each deed you have, you need to ask yourself, would Jesus co-sign on this? And if not, then we get the opportunity to move back from that. If we messed up, we get an opportunity to repent and do a U-turn. Or we get to not even step into that sin. Because by word and deed, we're to glorify God. Now, this happens so subtly that you have to be discerning. There are many times that people will come up to me and say something not offensive, but just not right about people. And I have to catch them. Now, if it's somebody in authority, I just be quiet and pray for them. Because my kids don't get to correct me. They can encourage me, but they're not going to correct me. <laughs> So all of us have those moments where we say things that we shouldn't say. I can always tell when I've messed up at home because my husband will get quiet. My but uh-oh, I said something wrong. So now I'm going through the roller decks with the Holy Spirit. What did I say, Lord? What did I say? But we have to encourage each other to righteousness. So his silence says something to my heart that something's not triggering here. And then sometimes I just ask him, what did I say that was wrong? We need to encourage each other to righteousness so that our words and our deeds equal and represent Jesus Christ. And then it says, giving thanks to God the Father. The scripture reminds us to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Now, it didn't say give thanks for it. It said give thanks in it. I wish I could tell you 100%. I give thanks in everything. It takes me a minute to get there. You know, but my plan is to get there quicker each time. And I give thanks because, God, you already knew about this. God, this is going to glorify your name. God, this is going to change all of us to your glory. So I give thanks in it right away because it ushers in the presence and the power of God. I'm putting him first. 
I'm telling him it's not just about my flesh and I'm not just coming to you, God, because I need you to fix this because I want to be comfortable and I, wanna, I, just, I don't want this drama. It has to be about the kingdom. God, this does not represent your kingdom. So I need to make sure that I'm giving thanks in all things. So what have I said tonight? We are not just connected. We're a community. In order to be connected in community, we have to understand how to operate in our community. How do we do that? One, we need to have the spirit of discernment. We need to have God's heart about what family is. We need to embrace that. We need to not come unclothed, but come clothed properly with compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility towards one another. We need to discern when we're being selfish because we need to be selfless. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get to to partake because I said earlier, as you give, it comes back to you. You just think of yourself less. It's not about you. It's not what about me? What about me? As Joyce Meyer says, no. It's about what about the others? So we have to be discerning. We also have to make sure we have a deposit mentality. I'm not coming to church to get. I'm coming to church to give. And as I give, it will come back to me. And then I have to be determined to finish this course properly. How do I do that? Watch my word and watch my deed. Make sure it all equals glorifying God in his name. And to give thanks in all things, even when I'm going through, to give thanks for it. Because God has a plan and he has a purpose. And when I understand that, I no longer just look at the pain of the problem. I look at the purpose. God has purpose about everything, even when we don't understand. That's why I said, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. So as we stand tonight, we want to thank God that we are community, that we're not alone. The Bible says he puts lonely in family. So if you found yourself like me, you go to the family reunions and you just go because we all got the same last name but you never really get connected into that community, I want to invite you tonight to do something different. You walk up to somebody you don't know tonight and you introduce yourself and you ask them, how can I pray for you this week? Because we are connected into community and it's important to God's heart for us to be community because that world out there will know us not by our preaching, not by our singing, not by our gifts. They will know us by the love we have one for another, which means there's something visible that needs to say so much more than what we can ever declare out of our mouths. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness, that you have connected us into family, that we are the household of faith. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your love over us, that you are our Father. And Lord, we thank you for teaching us how to be connected together, not separate, not just coming to church and going home, But, Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for us to, as Pastor Jim said, be fitted together. That's our heart's cry, Lord, that we would be fitted together. Lord, we honor your holy name and we thank you for allowing us the privilege to be part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.